Howdy, welcome to another episode of QBT. I'm Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee. And we're two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. And today, we are joined by the Miss Motherfucking Toto. I am so fucking excited. Me too. Miss Toto, um, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're in Chicago, bitch. <laughs> well, we're in Portland. Uh, but uh, do you remember Veggie Tales? Mm-hmm. You know that one song where it's like, good morning, George, how I are you? I don't remember any of the songs. I hope you're feeling <laughs> fine. I love to stay and talk, but it's almost eight o'clock and I haven't got the time. It was about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're like, I'm Rack, I'm Shaq, I'm Benny. Oh. Okay. Okay, let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing that you were way, 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 way more embedded into Christianity than I was. My mom like tried to force that veggie tail shit on me, and I was like, absolutely not. And no, <laughs> anytime not. Uh, we were in school, and they like, you know, when they used to roll the TV carts in, it was always veggie tails. Oh my god! Oh, that's like right. until also went like tenth like, grade, super, like Christian school. That I did not go to. I went to public school, so no veggie tails for us. I only got to go to public school for a couple years. Wow, it's fun. I look crazy right now. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> I, I'm feeling very Lawrence Cheney. <laughs> um, Listeners, you can't. You can't see this, but um, I've got some volume. It's feeling. It's feeling wild. I got a band aid on a zit. Is that what that is? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, you think I, I grew new skin? I didn't know what that was. That was <laughs> extra skin, white that porcelain graph. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, since I saw you last night, I got a skin graph. Yeah. Um, we're almost one. I think I said that last episode, but I'm going to say it again. We're keep saying it until it happens. It's like a birthday's coming up for us. Um, and it's our birthday month. It's our birthday month. And to celebrate, <laughs> we're going to do like a, 20, a round of 21 questions. So listeners, send in your questions. We're going to answer them. Um, no matter what the question is, I, <laughs> I'm not even going to give you example questions this time. Just ask us questions. Literally anything you want to know the answer to. It could be about, you know... How, what's the circumference of the earth? Do you know the cir- circumference of the earth, Maddie? No. No. Okay. Well, don't, don't ask that question then. I'll I mean, I can Google it. Else. Uh, but I have a question for you now, Maddie. Okay. We're in celebration of VeggieTales. <laughs> <laughs> Christ the Redeemer. Yeah. Um, this, this, resurre- this Resurrection Sunday coming up. Um, what's your... What about my erection? <laughs> What's your earliest erection memory? No, what's your earliest Easter memory? Earliest Easter memory. Hmm. I feel like I don't have a memory, but there are some um, pictures of me like in little Easter outfits, like when I was a kid looking really cute. But for me, a significant Easter memory is, um, oh, there's actually two. One most recent was um, when I went to see Allie Kiltz in New Orleans uh, around her birthday, always goes for the Easter parade. And I had never understood Easter in a secular context or in like a um, not religious context. I was like, only religious people celebrate Easter. And then I, honestly, Shanti, um, a guest from a few weeks back and friend of the pod, um, also told me that Easter was their favorite holiday and I did not get it. But like the brunch, the pastels, the parade of it all in New Orleans, like it was really fun. But when I was a kid, one time I got this R2-D2 and it was like a remote control R2-D2. And it like, it wasn't like remote control from 
anywhere. It had like a leash. It was like an R2-D2 on a leash, mm. but it like made buttons and noises and beep, beep, beep. It was very cute. Um, and then I found the box of it in my parents' closet and I was like, holy shit, the Easter bunny isn't fucking real. Oh my God. And then I like sat down and I was like, I remember grabbing the box and I was like, what is this? What is this? And they were like, so sometimes parents do nice things in disguise. And I was like, so Santa's not real either. And I cried and cried and cried. I was so angry and mad that I've been lied to for, you know, eight years of my life. And then I was even more pissed because my parents wouldn't let me tell my brother until he like figured it out on his own. So I just like every, every like Santa year, what is that, Christmas, I would be like, um, that seems like wild that that came down the chimney. We don't even have a chimney, isn't that weird? And they'd be like, Matt, shut up, shut up. <laughs> anyway, what is, what's your Easter memory? <laughs> Easter is by far probably at the very bottom of my totem list of holidays. So I don't even know that I have an Easter memory other than being very, very much so creeped out by the Easter bunny and not wanting to partake in any like photo with them them Easter Bunny's and scary. uh yeah just like terrified of this i didn't like anything in a suit as a kid like mickey mouse not for me easter bunny not for me santa claus not for me i was like <laughs> those things look like cartoons in real life and that is horrifying yeah um, they're pretty creepy looking yeah they were all pretty creepy so i I don't, I don't really have a memory other than just like dreading Easter every single year because I was like, oh my God, that fucking creepy bunny is going to come back <laughs> and hide its fucking eggs that I have to go find. Why I got to go find their eggs? So I do like finding money. I like finding the ones with a lot of quarters in them. I like finding money too, but I don't need a holiday for that. I can do that any day of the week. <laughs> just hide money from yourself. Day, actually. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. I didn't even know they made those anymore. Um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of cartoons in real life, um, have you seen the new Space Jam trailer? Mm, I have not. Oh, I should watch it. I wonder if home. we need to pause for you to see it. Um, I am gonna see you later this afternoon, so we'll hear your thoughts on it later. But uh, it honestly doesn't look terrible, but it looks like the kids' version of Ready Player One mashed with like the second wreck at ralph like break the internet like essentially what happens is instead of going into like toon land they go lebron james goes in the server to uh and i think it's don Cheadle is like the mastermind or something mm -hmm. and then gets sentenced to toon land or whatever and then they play basketball for his son's soul or something i don't know but it was like uh, they basically bring in all these other animated universes into it. So, like, they're in the trailer. The Iron Giant is in it. Like, without um, saying too much, I already know all of this. Okay, Secret but you haven't seen the trailer, Se so I do. I have not seen the trailer. <laughs> Secretly, I know the entire plot to Space Jam too. <laughs> um, that's really exciting. I on so okay. As an insider, do you think it's gonna flop or not? Oh, I think it's going to, I mean, it's on HBO Max. Everybody has access to it. I think it's going to be like a hit. Like, just based off, based off of the sheer fact that nobody has to go to Adults a theater. Adults and kids can watch it? Yeah. And like, nobody's, like, there's no like, oh, am I going to spend my money on this? It's like, it's on HBO yeah. Max. I feel like a ton of people have HBO Max. We'll probably sign up for HBO Max for this. I definitely think it's going to be a win yeah. for, for Warner Brothers. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I Same thing with like, I really um, like King Kong versus Godzilla, which I haven't watched, but I know is out now. I'm like, yeah, it is. Out. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's gonna be a win for everybody because nobody has to actually pay money to go to the theater to see it. 
Yeah, I wouldn't have paid money to go see it, but you know, as a sleepy Thursday night movie, mm. it was like, oh, cool. Um, and some of it looks cool. Some of it is wild. Like it's just like you know, all these people are just acting around like a green boulder. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, like they're just like running around like it was like, like uh, <laughs> Drag Race last night. <laughs> oh my god! Right, <laughs> that cat and and pussy. Oh, <laughs> you. Um, hi, Gorge. Um, what are you listening to? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. No, uh, thanks okay. to you, I'm listening to Bree Runway Hot Hot, which hot, hot. it is driving me insane because I cannot figure out what that beat. sample is. Yeah, I think it's just everybody yeah, uses either. the sample, so so I I don't know. I can't like pinpoint it. I think it's from um, Drop Down and Get Your Eagle On, Girl, but it could also be from Missy Elliott's. Uh, uh, That's hot. Hot. Yeah, it's just called Hot, right? This is hot. I'm really. I'm really feeling hot. 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 Uh-huh, 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 yeah, that. But the the video is amazing. I the one with the Kill Bill video. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Rue Runway is. I mean, listen, <laughs> she's doing. A, I love this. She's doing a lot more than Normani right now. So I just. I mean, I'm. I know, and honestly, I'm excited it. for Normani, and I hope that that I hope that there's like this thing that can happen but like i just feel like brie runway deserves what dua lipa has Mm -hmm. she is not doing it and not to like compare women but like i just feel like brie runway has given you different aesthetics every single video high quality videos with dancing and And performance and good vocals who can dance yeah and just like only hires dark skin women in her videos too and has like been vocal about the fact too and then that's why in this video when i saw this white man as like the center of it where they're like dancing all around him in the car i was like what is gonna happen in the end when he just like boils alive in the car like very funny yeah. very down yeah, for yeah. it i loved it it's a very cute video um i don't know i'm not listening to a lot either really that's like I- i've just been listening to montero and repeat and this brie romney song um <laughs> Demi Lovato came out with a new album, Dancing with the Devil. Honestly, I haven't heard any of it. There's an Ariana Grande song on it that I think is maybe supposed to be about Pete Davidson. But I will say that the new documentary, four-part documentary, Dancing with the Devil. um, It's a four-part documentary? I mean, it's like 22. It's YouTube. You know what I mean? It's like oh, 22 minutes like, long each one. to tell me that last night because I've already seen no, no, one no. Demi Lovato documentary on YouTube and I don't it, know how many it is how a little many bit like I that. Do. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit more like that. But I think what it does is really it really talks about like what specifically happened on her overdose. And it was like it was horrific. Like she was left for dead by this dealer who also like assaulted her. And then like her managers and friends come in and see her like you know minutes away she's like she can't drive anymore because uh she can't see well anymore because she had multiple strokes like and so there's an element of like all the jokes made about her that sucks like that really sucks she also came out as pansexual which i don't understand i feel like she's come out as bisexual seven times i don't know why she keeps coming out but like good for you girl maybe she forgot that's not funny um i I, like i just feel like she has been really vocal around her addictions and has been really vocal around um, and transparently as a Disney girl and like kind of what Disney did to her in these ways. Mm -hmm. Like whether or not I want to hear her scream into a microphone, I respect her as a person. Yeah. I feel like, um, Hmm. how do I say this? Kosherly. That's not a word. Um, Does she bore you? She does not bore me. I think this all would have more significant impact on me for her as an artist if she just waited. <laughs> like, I'll put it like this. 
But it's been like two years. No, but I'm like, when I'm just getting like multiple check-ins on your life, like constantly, it's like, yeah, sure. Like, I know this about you already. Like, I know that like mm-hmm. you have a drug problem and that like you had the yeah. overdose because there was a lot of coverage happening when that happened. And though like now I'm getting maybe a deeper sort of insight of like what happened yeah. that day. It's kind of like, I don't, not to say I don't care, but like I it's cool like that happened a few years yeah. ago like if i'd prefer it if i had it my way i'd be like demi wait till you're if you make it to like 70 like wait till oh, you're no. like 70 and hey i'm just being honest but like yeah. if you make it to 70 release all this when you're 70 like that's gonna have way more sort of like damn for me than this happening every two years you want her to have a tina moment to kind keep it quiet of, and then at the end yeah. be like i'm out and here's the those truth those kind of documentaries okay. like mean more to me like obviously it can still happen when she's alive but like yeah. I don't know. It feels a little less significant to me to have gotten a documentary already where she talked about drug yeah. use and sort of eating disorders. And I'm sure she talks about her eating habits in this one, too. But like when it's just like a multi like multiple rounds of this, it's like I, yeah. I know already Demi. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think for folks who maybe have an understanding of addiction and like and and maybe not placing that much judgment on someone having this public thing. I think the way that she hit rock bottom again is sort of interesting. And I think hearing her perspective on that. And also I think other people, you know, need a little bit more education on what addiction feels like and is. And, and so th- I think that there's on that level that, and I don't know if everyone saw the original documentary. You know, I feel right. like if you were a Demi fan, you saw the original one, like you wanted to hear about the camp rock star or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like this one feels more like she was... Even if you didn't know who Demi Lovato is, you knew that she just had an overdose. Right. You know what I mean? You know what it and is I feel like that I think bothers me? It's these all norm. these like they're not teenagers. All these like pop stars now that are just like, here's a documentary about me. That's either like a concert film that like touches a little bit on something, or is like well, a that's full fledged documentary. And it's just like, I don't care. Like, can we wait until yeah. you are actually somebody I like give a shit about? Like until you're an right. actual like icon that has like made right. an impact? Cause Sometimes I'm just like, I don't know why I got, like, an Ariana documentary. I put that in air quotes. Like, I don't need that right now. Ariana, I'll watch this when you're, like, 50 or 60 and have, like, actually done something. But, like, right now, I'm like, like people are trying some impact. But, like, your journey isn't done. I don't feel like I need to give you your flowers right now because I don't know what you've done to deserve the flowers right now. Especially when you compare those people to people like Tina Turner or... um, Shit, who else just had a documentary that came out? I don't know. Tina Turner, well, like, she's like top of mind for yeah. me right now. Shit, I'd watch Mary. J- I'd watch a Mary J. Blige documentary. Why haven't I gotten that? But I got a fucking <laughs> oh, Demi yeah. Lovato documentary. Too. Please. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like the people are trying to emulate what happened with the uh, Beachella kind of thing. Like that is like mm. a really mm-hmm. cool film that is a concert film that also gives these background stuff too. And I feel like. That's just not going to happen with Ariana's toilet bowl. You know, like, that's yeah. just not going to happen with a Demi Lovato tour. Like, yeah. I mean, I, also, forced. we might be saying this and we're giving our, like, I'm sure that there might be people who are, like, obsessed with Demi. And I just, I don't get it because I wasn't, you know, right. I didn't, like, camp rock my way into my heart, you know. Yeah. But uh, I just, I I appreciate her as an adult. And I think Cool for the Summer is one of the best songs ever. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Like, we can agree on that. Cool for the Summer is a good ass Also, like, song. I'm a Demi fan. Like, I have listened to just about every one of her albums. I haven't listened to this one yet. Yeah. So, all this, like, 
quote unquote downing I'm doing right now of her. It's just yeah. also coming from. You might come back next week and be like, actually, oh I'm the <laughs> I just, I think for me, when I think about all the black women who have made way more impact, they don't have documentaries. I'm just like, girl, Demi, yeah. like, I get it. Like, you can actually just be quiet and sit down over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Charlize Theron. Um, also, uh, what? <laughs> oh, it's like it's like to each their own, but Charlize Theron. Ah, oh, Charlize Theron. Okay. Moving um, on. My <laughs> friend told me that uh, a long time ago. I miss him. Um, also, Nasty Cherry came out with an EP called The Movie, which I hope correlates with the new season of that thing. Um, and Angel Olsen has a new single called It's Every Season, Whole New Mess. It sounds like every other Angel Olsen song, but honestly, I haven't really been... I had, haven't listened to the other things. I just... I saw that those came out, and I probably will listen to them later this week. So if you like them, let me know. Um, cool. I've never heard of Angel Olsen before, but... Oh really? She's not like an. I, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. She? Never mind. It 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 makes sense that you don't know who she is. It. Do you know who Mitski is? That name sounds familiar. Um, like, is there a Z in there? Yeah, maybe. Um. Anyway, it's like it's like a lady rock, like very, but like indie driven. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, I'm gonna be terribly describe it. Angel Olsen's a brilliant songwriter. It just you know it's a little it's a little slower. It's like anyway, it doesn't matter. Um. I am obsessed, 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 obsessed with the show Couples Therapy on Showtime. Not to be confused with Couples Retreat on VH1. It is not to be confused with that. <laughs> this is not a reality show. This is not like Dr. Drew. This is like documentary, but it's it's released as a show. This woman, Dr. Orna Gralnik, I think is how you say her name, Um in 2019, they released this 10, well, it was nine episodes. And then the 10th episode is actually a COVID special. That's all like teletherapy, but it just follows couples into this psychoanalyst. She's very traditional psychoanalyst where she's like fully leaning in, you know what I mean? And then is like talking about shadow work. It's like, it's very, um, it's very like when you think of traditional therapy, it's that, but she's like cool with it. And it's honestly really beautiful to see these couples over the course of several months sort of find things out about themselves and how they're putting that into practice or how they're not. And like, you kind of are like listening and getting to see the process of therapy. I think it is just one of the coolest examples of what therapy looks like or could look like. It obviously is like, to some extent, like here's very effective things there but i also really love the sessions that she has with her clinical supervisor where she talks about the people it's just it's so fucking good i think that you are gonna eat it up and honestly the only reason i got it was because i thought p valley was on showtime and it wasn't until i got showtime that i realized it was on stars and then i found couples therapy and i had a great time <laughs> i still need to see p valley i was gonna say so you still haven't seen p valley <laughs> no i haven't okay. it's, it, one day i'm gonna come across it and it's gonna be the most beautiful thing in the world but couples therapy season two comes out in like speaking two of weeks which, or something p valley creator katori hall was in the tina turner documentary that was her um oh. so if that helps because she made tina turner's broadway show the Tina Broadway show. Oh, cool. Cool. I remember the Broadway show. Um, I honestly, I think I would really enjoy that show. P-Valley? Uh, yes, but also the Tina Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, not the documentary, I mean, the either Tina or you'll, Broadway show. I feel like, yeah, same. Um, yeah. I'm re- you I'm, haven't seen Godzilla vs. Kong yet? 
No, because I have a friend in town, um, and I know that they're not super into that. So I'm Miss Gary's not gonna like that. Miss Gary's not gonna like it. So I'm just like I want to like be able to watch it on my own, like fully enthralled. Um, and Mm -hmm. I have to like look over at the person next to me, like, "Are you into this?" (laughs) When I know the answer, I feel like no. (laughs) I feel like you just need to do it where, like, if he falls asleep, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Like you can be in it, and then just like. Feed her some edibles and let her go to bed, you know? Feed her some edibles. I love it. <laughs> Whoa, I'm seeing this thing over here. I'm on, Vul- on the <clears throat> on vulture.com because uh, I'm oh. reading about couples therapy and the fact that it's related to okay. Anthony Weiner's. Yeah, Anthony Weiner's marriage and like that show, or not show, the documentary that came out about him. Anyways, to the right over here, they have Justin Bieber, <laughs> BTS, and Ariana Grande are all under one roof. And I'm thinking Scooter Braun must now represent all of them. And that uh. is terrifying. Anyways. Moving on. Fuck Scooter Braun. I'm, you know, I. He also I don't represents Demi Lovato. Thing. I'm like, whoa. I don't know why. Maybe Scooter's the reason why I don't care about Demi Lovato. Okay, sorry. We're gonna move on. <laughs> um. Also, the nannies on HBO. Did you ever love the nanny? Oh my god, I've been obsessed with the nanny. Yes. It. I watched like six episodes this morning. It's it so honestly, good. I needed a little bit Friend like just like light just, hydration. Ugh. It's so, it's still so good. Yeah. I'm sure that there's going to be things that come across it that's like dates it, yeah. but like even just for the fashion on mute, it's so mm-hmm. fucking good. It's and the kid like, actors in it. Gay friendly show too, I feel like even for it to have been back then. It's real, it's real gay without being gay, yeah. but I also, you know, am on episode four, so I don't know what <laughs> right, happens right, there, right. but um, I just, yeah, I love it. Um, did you watch the Zola trailer? I have watched no trailers this week, but I did hear oh. about this trailer coming oh. out and this movie finally happening this summer, and I am ready. I remember exactly where I was when I read that Zola uh, Twitter thread. Inventor of threads. Yeah. Like, like the story <laughs> thread was invented by this mm-hmm, woman, mm-hmm. and I'm just so happy that she's getting the, like... Very, I feel like TikTok, TikTok is a great example. Like that fucking Addison Ray girl on uh, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yeah. Who like, yeah, I don't really know who that girl is. But like the side by side comparisons of the dances she's like supposedly doing. Like, I feel like black creators are often just full on ripped and like not credited. And like from the beginning, when it got picked up by A24, she was involved with the storytelling is like still given full credit. It's her story. It's like very much oh, good. Like, this is about her. Um, I mean, it's still called Zola in their marketing. They are like putting up the original thread so people can. I mean, it's kind of spoilery. I mean, but at the same time, that that was one of the break the Internet moments yeah. like fully. Um, but this woman, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name, honestly, but Janixa Bra- Bravo. She is That's the director right. and writer um and is a black woman holding this it feels very much like story by sex workers like Mm -hmm. and the trailer just like it looks like spring breakers but not through a like voyeuristic lens yeah like you know how spring breakers has that very like harmony corinne like it's a little bit rapey like yeah i was gonna say it's this feels like (laughs) yeah this feels like i don't know it feels like these characters while wild and it's meant to be a wild ride are like shown with love at least zola you know i and i i have no idea what's going to happen but i'm just saying that this trailer to me even if this movie is terrible i know it's going to be my favorite movie this year oh, wait, like, like, black, like, yeah, yeah i was like janique so that's Bra- what i'm Bravo saying sounds like a black woman let me just try right. check it and yeah hell a 40 year old black woman from new york like 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy this movie a lot. I know. She I know. also made Lemon back in 2017, which I never oh, saw. Oh, I loved Lemon. Oh, but I like Brett Gelman. Gelman. I think I met him one time. Anyways. Um, How big is Dick is? Oh, my God. Not like that. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. Oh. No, I'm excited about this. And I mean, it's what? A black woman director. It's produced by A24. Like, you're telling me literally music to my ears. I'm like, I'm. Yeah. it's going to be, I'm going to be hard pressed to find fault in this film. Unless yeah. it is just, even if it were going to go completely off the rails, I'd probably still be like, that was fantastic. <laughs> I know. I, I like, I just can imagine watching it. And like, even if it, honestly, for me, it's like Promising Young Woman mm-hmm. in a different vein. But like, I saw that trailer and I was like, I'm going to love that movie. Even if it's problematic no and weird, yeah. like, and goes off the rails a little bit, which that movie did. I hope that this movie has a little bit of a better politic, but it's just like, Spring Breakers is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it seems like it's going to be... One, this sort of true story. I mean, even the Zola thread is like, what really happened? I don't know, but it's it's great entertainment. Entertainment. I don't think I remember you know? the yeah. I don't remember the Zola story like the whole storyline. I remember sort mm-hmm. of some of the twist, but I, I I don't know. Like some of the effect of it has been lost on me now because it's just been years. Yeah. Like that happened when I. I was, think I'm gonna reread it. I probably won't. I want to be surprised and then go mm. back and reread it. Um, I love. But I remember I was in college on spring break in Ohio <laughs> randomly. <laughs> Um, what? I was like, <laughs> like at a theme park. No, my roommate in college was from Ohio, and I had nowhere to go for spring break, and we had Aww. to like, we were on a dance team, and we had to be back at like the same, like we had to be back on a certain day, like halfway through spring break, so it only made sense for me to like go home with him. What kind of dance? Like step? step? It was step team. Okay, yeah. Work. Um, and they were very strict about everything. Uh, so they were like, "You got, you like have to be back on Thursday," and I was like, "Ugh, halfway through our spring break, this was like freshman year." Now that I'm remembering it. And we went to Ohio with his family until like Thursday and then like drove back to Atlanta. And during that spring break is when this whole Zola story broke. And I remember being like, what? This shit is crazy. It's also the same time that Sierra's um, Like a Boy came out. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that was happening around that time that I like remember very specifically happening over that spring break. You're like the routine? Maybe. But Zola? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Kiana sent us this this morning. I haven't seen it yet. I kind of want to mention it just so that we can watch it this week. But Concrete Cowboy Mm -hmm. is like about, you know, urban cowboys and Idris Elba and some other beautiful folks. I let me tell you about our friend and their love for cowboys. I I am excited. I know you may not be. Oh, um, did you see my new cowboy tattoo in Philadelphia? Um, I don't know, girl. You've got like 10 tattoos. (laughs) Ma'am, I have not had a single tattoo this whole quarantine I mean, it's been like almost two years well, i'm since saying I like as of recently yeah i think i did i saw you're making the stallion inspired one is that the one you're talking about? yeah 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 okay. yeah yeah <laughs> my cowboy tattoo it's the same thing <laughs> making the stallion cowboys it's, it's equals the same you know um i don't i don't know i really have anything to say about this i just saw today that dmz overdosed Who's which DMZ? seems really sad what y'all gonna make me dmx yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> I saw it on TMZ. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is TMZ? Okay, wow, that is kind of sad. Um, ooh, in great I, I, I'm so embarrassed, but also like that's of course what my dehydrated, course dehydrated brain did today. I honestly would have. I mean, I wouldn't. Have ex- our, I wouldn't our, have expected any less coming from 
like you. Me? <laughs> yeah. I, I know who I DMX is. I do not hold is, you but... to a standard of knowing like DMX's history and like the Rudolph <laughs> song. I love the Rudolph song. Oh my God. Rudolph the Red Nose Range. I love that part. Damn. Um, yeah. That sucks. He's in grave condition. I hope he pulls through, but I. I know. I, I hopefully by the time that this comes out, baby boy will have gotten back out of it, but that sucks. Damn. Um, DMX. Damn. I'm not even gonna attempt the the bark that he does, but I can't. I want. I really want to hear you try. No, imitate blue and then like, like oh, channel oh. blue. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I've barked so many times on this podcast. I'm so glad you finally did it. Um, did you see this Mugler show, Maddie? I haven't seen anything this week. Okay, I I know you keep telling me that, but you could at least like <laughs> pretend or lie or like something. Okay, hey um, listeners, the the Mugler show it's amazing. It's so good. There it was is, so Johnny, many your bar- colors and fashion. It's so much style. I've just the models. Mwah, it was all good. It was mwah. great. Um, that you know sell, what? Did that sell everybody? Yeah, you're almost right. Is that a mimosa, ma'am? Shh. Shh. Sh- sh- is your mom listening? <laughs> like, are you are you on work hours? <laughs> like, what? yeah, I'm working right now with you, girl. Don't be telling her. It's afternoon. I'm not your boss. Um, Mugler, uh, Hunter <laughs> Schaefer, and then Dominique Jackson. Like, they're in it. Giving Dominique Jackson gives one of the best walks. Like. I'm gonna show you when I see you later this afternoon. It the walk is like incredible, and the way that it's edited, it's kind of like mm. uh, rewound and sped up at the same time. But it's um, it's honestly sad because I feel like the these Mugler leggings are being uh, or those bodysuits are being they're expensive and good looking, and a lot of people are wearing them. So like people are releasing photo shoots, and it's like everyone's wearing the same thing, and it sucks. But it it looks gorgeous. But like. I love it's the just, cool. Okay, yeah, it's all, okay, Hunter. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. It's they it's like all in drop reverse. down. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. They, um, but just like seeing the little videos of Dominique, just like, and I think there's a cup. Each of them get a couple looks. So there's like two full walks, and it just like there's one where Dominique like puts on this jacket as I mean, obviously it's for reverse, but like it just looks it looks cool, and it, it is. I would say colors are limited. It is like more black and white, but um. I mean, you know, she's I just looking stunning look. speaking stunning. of um speaking <laughs> nope i don't have a segue for this michael jackson but once again i'm looking over to the right Michael's where people put all the things Mike. they think i'd be interested in and did you know that iggy azalea and tyga released a song yesterday called sip it i might cut that out <laughs> <laughs> i thought you might be I don't give a shit okay, about flip. that who's flipping on this moulair show one of the thorns. One of the Can Hadid's. they do that? That's what I meant, actually. One of the I thorns. Had Bella. It's like Bella Thorne. <laughs> I, I meant the thorns of the fashion industry, the Hadids. Um, okay, Dominique. No, I like their crazy is. faces. Okay. Give it to me. Yeah. I know. I think it's also a Shy Girl sample. She Maybe. At least used in part of it. Hey, her. This is like 62 inches down it, her back. It, it, it's insane. But it's it, it's not even just that she does a good job. It is like a career-defining walk. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... I, and I honestly, I th- I could be wrong, but I think that she was, hmm. I was going to say that I think that she was taught by Miss J. Alexander and then also went to teach walks on her own before she got Pose. I think I might be confusing her with someone else, which sucks. But if not, like, she could now. That walk is, like, 
it will be studied. It's so beautiful. I just, you know, fashion, fashion, whatever, you know, people get bored by that, but I just, I love celebrating her. And I mean, Hunter looks great too, but just like in comparison, it's like, it's like when Gigi Good was next to Shea Coulee uh, at oh, the Fenty show. Yeah. And it's like, it's not Gigi's fault that she was next to Shea Coulee, but she was next to Shea Coulee, you know? Um, all right. Uh, do you have any other pop culture that you didn't pay attention to this week? <laughs> Yeah, I'm also realizing that there's a new Black Widow trailer that came out three hours ago. I'll okay. Watch that. Um, That's, do you want to talk about it next week, or oh, I mean, are you gonna watch it now and then we'll talk? <laughs> uh, no, I no. <laughs> also, okay. oh wait, Winter Soldier and Falcon, Falcon and Winter Soldier is a decent show. It's very uh, after WandaVision, it seems very obvious that Marvel decided to go in a complete opposite direction they were like okay for all the people for all the straight people that didn't like wandavision like let's make a really yeah. straight like broy show for them and that's what it feels like yeah uh they were like you know how we're like military propaganda yeah. here's a show to let you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're yeah. like just in case you forgot this is absolutely a tool of the state yeah and i mean i like it it's you know, I like it. I mean, Marvel can pretty much make anything that I'm into except Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Those were misses. But they're also for ABC, which, you know, is a whole thing. There's a lot of violence in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I, like, enjoy. Like, a lot of people getting shot and, like, blood. And I'm like, oh. thank you, Disney Plus, for giving me, like, something that's rated PG-13. Good for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can't have sex, but we will have violence. We will have violence. Yeah. Very America. Um, well, uh, let's take a quick break before we are met with Miss Toto. I am so excited. Um, also, speaking of which, another person who loves an, a cowboy aesthetic. Um, she loves a chap and a and a and a, a cowboy hat and looks hot and gorgeous doing it. I am so excited to talk to her. Um, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Whoa! Bye. Break. <laughs> 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 ready as ready as i'm ever gonna be all right work <laughs> she has risen okay <laughs> um welcome back we are joined by the one the only miss toto thank you so much for being here are you kidding especially on easter easter make it time Sunday. for us come on come through <laughs> Um, I really didn't know it was Easter, but that wouldn't have changed anything anyway. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, like, whatever, let's do this. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, which if you don't know, you're wrong. Um, Miss Toto started out in Drag in Miami, now in Chicago. Bodybuilding Barbie, Drag Legend, featured in the Huffington Post. You've personally fundraised over $50,000 for a black organization since June and currently fundraising chair for the Chicago Black Drag Council. We just talked to the Vixen a couple weeks ago about that too um yeah that's your girl <laughs> um and, <laughs> produ girl. <laughs> and producing the black tea podcast with uh lisey stool and miss baby banks kool-aid um you're yes. in it you're here thank you're you for right. being here <laughs> Woo! Yeah. When you say it like that, I'm like, I'm doing way too damn much. Like, I need to chill out. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. So uh, the way that we normally get started with everybody is asking, what identities do you hold that shape how you come into this world? Okay. Um, well, 100% blackness is like the number one. Like, 
Um, especially like this, I think since I moved out of, I grew up in Maryland. So like since moving out of Maryland um, and like the, I was in the worst part of Maryland, like the, the only red portion of the state, just like the only black people in my city or town were my family members. Nice. Um, so like getting to meet more black people than I realized that I have a shared experience with, like that is something that I can carry, that I carry out through like my whole life. And then it's also something just so apparent. Like first thing you see about me when I approach you is not that I'm a non-binary drag queen, it's that I'm black. And that's something that like I'm very proud of and I try to like just exemplify through my art um, and just like my everyday life. Like I'm proud of, of that and I'm proud of my culture. Mm. Um, I would also say my queerness, like that's something that's just been inherent in my whole life. Like looking back on photos of myself and how I was raised, I was like, I've always been this person. I just didn't know how to get there mm. um, or that I that this was possible. Like my parents never really hindered me with the activities I wanted to do or like how I expressed myself. But like growing up, I didn't know the words like non-binary or I didn't know that you had to choose between or like that you didn't have to choose between being a boy or a girl or like whatever. Um, so now that like that terminology is apparent to me and that was that happened I guess within the last like seven to eight years that's something else that I'm just very like forward thinking about um just like more space for trans and non-binary people like more space for black trans and non-binary people and I realized like with at least like social media and the quote-unquote platform that I've created like I might be someone's first exposure to a black non-binary person and i want to serve as like a a good example i think like i mean i don't need to be an example for anybody but i'm like if i'm going to be your only touch point to to see and experience someone like this like i want to be as authentic as i can be yeah um I feel like that shines through in your art. I mean, one of my favorite performances of yours is the um, Run Away With Me Harriet Tubman performance. <laughs> it is like truly like simultaneously full of joy and hilarity and like it's emotional performance too. You know what I mean? Like you're having fun with it and it is, um, I've, I've seen like on YouTube the, um, the the stage version, but then also the digital version that you did where you're like out in the field running around, you know, like, um, yes. but I, there's, there's as much heart and, um, rooting in history as it is like hilarity in the present, right? Like it's this really beautiful blending of both of those things. I think you do the same thing with your move bitch Rosa Parks number. Like those, <laughs> those are like truly, I remember in the middle of quarantine one day, I was literally just mourning the club and I was mourning drag and I just like went down this rabbit hole of your work specifically and like it um it just brought me so much joy and I think that um I'm curious how you feel about bringing that aspect of storytelling into your drag and what that does for your own heart and your own community so as far as like storytelling in general I realized like a lot of just in art in general I was growing up and I'm like, okay, my parents were trying to have me do a bunch of things like dance. I was like, eh, not really this, uh, like doing like painting and like sculpture. I was like, ah, not really this. But then I realized like now all those little pieces of the things I was doing growing up, like have turned into me doing drag. Like, oh, I can paint, but I'm not painting on paper. I'm painting on my face. Yes, ma'am. Or, oh, I'm not like 
dancer like in a in a company or something but i'm doing performances and using that talent on stage so now i'm able to take these ideas and these concepts that i like create and then tell a story but the challenge is always doing it in like a three minute and 30 second time span right but then if i'm doing something that's a little like it would be considered controversial because harriet tubman some people are going to be offended by it some people are not but as a black person and if i'm not being disrespectful i think i can do it and i'm gonna do it the way i want to um because like and, and it depends like especially with how the black community sometimes oftentimes sees queer people and sees like gay people um it's negative so like i forget what i was put on it wasn't the shade room because i probably would have quit drag if that happened <laughs> but it was one of these like black pages that was like dragging me and i'm like honestly oh, I, I didn't do anything disrespectful but it is something that i put a lot of work into like it's bringing like light to something that we don't often think of but also like it brings black people into this conversation it, it get it shows as an example of like oh this is for me like the part where i'm doing it's like come on ride the train and i'm going in the audience and getting all the black people i'm like you're a part of this this is your experience this is no one else can be a part of this experience except the black people in this moment so i think like that is something that's really important to me because for the story like yes a bunch of people can enjoy the stories that i'm telling in regards to like rosa parks or like harriet tubman but it's specifically meant for black people to enjoy and like something to resonate with them it's like because they're able to like find that joy and laugh and like and and really like get into that experience because like i've noticed a lot of times like some of the white people when they're watching it they're like oh am i allowed to laugh at this and it's like yes you can but also you need to tip me double because there you go <laughs> For your white guilt um but it's <laughs> equity always like a, 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 give me the money it's always like a a fine line that i don't mind walking because like if it's something to do with a culture that i that represents me i feel like i if i'm doing it in a respectful way and i'm telling the story that is like i mean not necessarily authentic because Harriet Tubman is not running through a field in Pennsylvania but it's like by bringing that experience that I had in the club and created in the club now to like a digital platform and just trying to tell these stories and make it like enjoyable enjoyable but also like bring it back into their minds because people don't think about how impactful and how important these like black icons were and are to like what we're doing right now and I feel like, I mean, if Nicki Minaj can go around talking about Harry Tubman every other second on Queen Radio. To freedom! freedom! <laughs> <laughs> At the barb, that is the most important thing Okay, okay. I'm interested in, I mean, you mentioned being, you know, a good example of a non non-binary Black person. Like, what does that look like for you? Not to say that, like, that's what you're doing, but, like, what are some examples you've seen? Who are some people? Like, what is that just talk about that a little bit more so i am saying like i would i might be some some people's only touch point because of how i like where i was raised and like what like activities and stuff i was involved in so like i was a collegiate athlete so a bunch of people like who are cis hetero straight people who were athletes at the same time like follow me and see me being so chaotic and like screaming about gender reveals and like just being like the exact antithesis of what they've been taught and like now I'm just this like drag queen that's screaming about how like gender isn't real and like cancel your gender reveal parties and 
I'm just living my life exactly the way that I want to. And I think it's important just like when I'm talking about being non-binary or explaining like my queer experience, I'm like, this isn't a vacuum. Like this is my queer experience as a non-binary person, but there's not a look for that. There's not like, there, there, you just need to be respectful. Like my whole thing, like just looking back on like this whole college thing, I was a cheerleader and a bunch of these cheerleaders are went to college, met their husband, now having babies, gender reveal. And I'm like, hello, we're past that. And if I'm in your friend circle and we're friends and I'm explaining to you why this is potentially harmful for your unborn child who may be trans or non-binary, th this is a, a, a talking point where you should at least be listening. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed like some people either like come to me to have that conversation um, which I think is great. I don't need to be having this conversation with you because it's not the oppressed responsibility to educate their oppressor. But because I'm like in this position and being so loud, I have no problem talking to them about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also just having, like I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the most like, cause once again, non-binary doesn't have a look, but I'm like not generally wearing skirts, et cetera, like walking around. Like I, I would say some of the times I'm mask presenting um, despite my nail polish and like saggy clothes. But like, I think it's a, a safe point for people to be like, okay, I know that Toto is non-binary and this is a jumping point to like understand queer culture better as a whole. Um, and I, I would say like, I'm not the, like in, in reference to like black queer activists, I'm not the most radical. I'm not out there organized. I'm not an organizer for protests. And I'm like, I'm doing what I, I can and what I feel like I am the most beneficial doing which is raising money because I love money and I'm good at raising money but like I feel like looking at these are like radical black activists who I look up to and I love but that might be too much for like some white people who are just realizing and understanding and unlearning their own racism mm. and understanding like the queer experience so that's what I mean by like okay maybe I might seem more approachable or less scary because they actually know me and they've seen how I went from not understanding my gender and being a he him and just like a normal little gay sissy to like being this like non-binary like chaotic drag queen um so yeah. i think that's like that's what i mean by that <laughs> and that's activism that's activism in and of its own right like i feel like and we've talked about this on the podcast before like i feel like activism gets this rap for like you have to be out organizing and out in the streets like protesting or whatever and it's like i mean getting involved in local politics and voting is activism like doing what you're doing on like you know just being approachable and being able to just have conversations with one person at a time is like activism or choosing and uh refusing to like not die <laughs> like mm -hmm. like right. fully just being like i'm gonna stay alive to fucking spite you you yeah. know what i mean like that is yes. that is activism um, calling out these straight white girls for gender reveal yes, parties absolutely yes, i'm like listen <laughs> it, like oh my god on transgender day transgender day of visibility there was a gender reveal that killed two people yeah i was like what is like first off what are you not understanding yeah Whoa. but also like it just, I don't know, reflects back to even my upbringing. Like, I asked my mom one time, I was like, did we have, like, was there a gender reveal for me? She was like, no. Right. She was like, I felt like that was dumb. We had a baby shower because I was excited to have a baby. Yeah. But I didn't and care about, diapers. like, what, right. Okay. She was like, I didn't care about, like, what you were going to be born as because that didn't matter to me. I was just excited to have a baby. And I don't know why people are so, like, pressed about the genitalia of their unborn child. I was like, 
see, this is why you're my mother. Yeah. Like, this makes sense. Yeah. This is the correct answer. Did you feel that your um, exploration of gender and your, like, realizations about yourself happened before, after drag, because of drag? I would say partially because of drag. So, like, I know growing up, I was telling people I was a boy, a, a girl born in a boy's body mm. for, like, years. For years and years and years. So my parents were like, oh, rocks trans, sure. Like, they were just like, do whatever you want. They weren't, like, ever pressuring me to do, like, anything. Like, I was really just free to do whatever I wanted, which I think attributes to, like, looking at the activities and stuff I did. Like, yes, I was playing baseball and soccer and basketball, but I was also, like, a cheerleader and doing dance and, like, doing the more feminine things. So, like, looking at where I am now it's like I can look back on photos of myself and see what I was trying to do at that time and never really got there like in high school I was wearing long t-shirts as like dresses and like leggings and just like gay jewelry and I feel like in college I kind of stepped away from that because it was much easier just to fit in to be like cis passing and then as soon as I got to Miami I feel like all hell broke loose because that's when I really like met my first group of like queer people right. like it changes not just everything. like right not just gay people i'm saying like i met i was around a group of like bearded hairy sweaty drag queens and i was like this is it this is where i need to be and i fully get it and then once i understood like oh i don't have to choose between being a boy or a girl i could be both i can be neither i can be literally whatever i want and I think through drag, like through Miss Toto, like I started off a bearded, non-padded, like drag queen, just as a kind of like fuck you to what everyone else was saying about me to, to my drag. Because people were like, oh, you have all those muscles, you can't be doing drag. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna do drag. So <laughs> that's, that's that. But then as I started to understand my own gender identity, I was able to pull those pieces out of Miss Toto and make, make Miss Toto the character like this woman that I envision. So I was able to take the queer pieces that I was putting into her into my own life and then make Miss Toto like a separate entity. So I would say drag 100% helped like, helped kind of realize these like pieces that have always been inside of me, but I never knew how to like get them out or express them. Right. And where, did the, uh, where does the cowboy stuff fit in? So <laughs> I grew up in the middle of like Western Maryland, West Virginia. Yeah. I was like riding, like I was a horse girl. <laughs> I okay. was a horse girl. <laughs> I, I know I took riding lessons for Nay, probably bitch. like six or seven years. Shout um, out. I had three. I had three horses. Um, I'm, I'm like a real horse girl. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Not just the magazines. She was there. <laughs> no, I'm, like, I'm a real horse girl. Um, that's not something that people know about me. They just think like they're like, oh, she's from Miami. Why is she a cowgirl? Like, <laughs> she looks yeah. great in chaps. <laughs> right. Um, but no, that that mixed with like I do like really love the history behind like the cowboy culture because not many people know there were black cowboys, um, and that's that's a huge thing. Um, and I love it. I like, I need to see more yeehaw black girls, like period. Mm -hmm. I need to see, I need to see chaps. I need to see boots. I need to see all of it. Cause it's, it's like ca cowboy culture to me is so drag. Yes. Like it is such yes. drag. Yes. And like looking at even just like the country icons, even if they are white, I'm like, all you girls are doing drag. Yeah. Yeah. Like the stones, the leopard print, the sequins, like that to me, 
Casey like, Musgraves I, is a drag queen. A drag queen. <laughs> Dolly Parton. Yeah. A drag queen. <laughs> like, it's it's just so like when I'm looking at inspirations, like yes, a lot of my inspirations do come from black culture, but I'm like country, the aesthetic is such high drag and high camp. And then even listening to the music, it's storytelling on like they they create a whole like vision for this story that they're telling you that I that's where I really like lean into slash it makes me feel like I'm being authentic to who I am as I like started because a lot of people like connect me with Miami because that's where I started drag but I would say that my like more authentic self like comes from where that western Maryland West Virginia where I spent most of my life growing up where I'm like that's what is more home to me than like the whole chaotic Miami scene (laughs) That's the closest anybody has gotten me to wanting to listen to country music. <laughs> if you want some recommendations, I have. I'm. I'm not like a. I mean, I was. Oh, like I dabble in country. Um, there are some songs that are country, but they are more like pop country. Okay. Uh, that I vibe with more, and then there are a few like black country artists that I really like too, and it gives more like blues than it does oh. like honky tonk yeah. type shit. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, like other shit white people stole, like the aesthetic, the storytelling, mm-hmm. the music, like that is not authentically white. That's authentically um, Mexican. It's authentically black. Right. You know? Like yeah. that's like where that shit comes from. Um, I love that, and we would love your recommendations. I'd yeah. Love to- I'm always down. I'm we from North a, Carolina, so like I yeah, I, and, and I'm listen. from Tennessee, yeah. so. Oh my <laughs> also gosh! Also, very so used to being I, around horses and farms. <laughs> so I um was in where was I? I was in Nashville. Was it last summer? Um, yeah. In August when we filmed Orville and Shania's video. Oh um, right. For Legends Never Die, yes. which I thought that was like so fucking crazy because I forgot you were in. I that. was with Orville on my birthday, and he was like, "Hey, like, do you want to be in this video?" And I was like, "Yeah, like, I'll go to Tennessee. <laughs> like, let's have some sure. fun." Then he was like, "Okay, you'll be scene partners with Jada," and I'm like, "Okay, two black queer people at once together yeah. with Shania Twain Orville." I was like, "Fierce." Then we get there, and our other friends are there um, who are also black. There were. I think like four or five black queer people in this video, mm-hmm. let alone the other queer people who were in this video. So like, I, was, I wasn't really thinking about it while we were there, but then I'm thinking when I saw it premiere, I was like, there are black queers on country music television. Yep. You bitches wish. Yeah. Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. like the, the whites are shaking. The cis hat whites oh, yeah. watching CMT are shook. There is a drag queen on C- a black drag queen on CMT. Yep. Like that to me, I was like, this is really, really crazy. Like I would have never thought in a million years that I would see a black drag queen on CMT. That is insane. Wow, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I love that video, right. by the way. I, compl- I completely forgot. I think we talked about it like when it came out too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, like was, we were <laughs> in awe. I love that um, that was a positive experience for you. It was so much fun. Well, I mean, I would say for the weekend that we were there, the music video was like a day, not even a day. It was a night. We were there from like 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. But the rest of the time we just like were at uh, this really cute dive hotel um, and all the rooms were like themed. And we were in, me and my partner were in the honeymoon suite, which had two disco balls, a shag carpet. Um, The radio stations were sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There was no TV. (laughs) It was just like okay. a very cool experience. And I'm just like very thankful that I was able to do it like with a bunch of like 
queer people. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there was anyone that I interacted with aside from like maybe the motel staff that was a cis person, like, like yeah. a hetero person. Like, thank God. Um, I'm hearing a lot in your in your work in your life of like obviously there's this definition of queer related to gender expression and gender and like uh, who we fuck, right? And then right. I feel like there's also what I'm hearing from you is this queering of everything that you're doing, like this yes. queering of being a Maryland person. There's this queering of being a cheerleader, a queering of being a bodybuilder, yes. a queering of being a drag queen. And I think I'm interested too in like, um, since Drag Race, since like this sort of Rue Girl from phenomenon, right? Like there's a lot of conversation about like what a drag queen is and like what type of drag there is. And I like, I've heard you talk about like, that's not what that looks like. That doesn't have to look like that. But I'm just, I'm wondering like, yeah. how you're feeling being someone who has a national platform, who has been on CMT with like Orville Peck and these things like, and then not having been part of this Rue Girl phenomenon, like what that feels like in terms of defining what drag is for you. So I think that Drag Race has done a really good job at bringing drag to a bunch of people. Sure. That's not necessarily a good thing, not necessarily a bad thing. Right. It just gives a lot of people freedom to be critics of something <laughs> that they may not understand or sure. may not be something for them. Right. Like I, like when I do drag, it's not for the general 14-year-old who is in like Iowa, just like a drag fan who loves drag race. Yeah. I'm doing my drag for maybe that kid in Iowa who has no other connections to drag that's right. other than seeing my Instagram. That's right. Like it's not like, and I think it's it's a great thing that like Drag Race does show kind of a lot of spectrums. It doesn't give you the full spectrum, but like- from but it's this a season, digestible spectrum too. Correct. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because like I do, I do the type of drag that I do, but I wouldn't say that I do high drag, like where I'm in sequin beaded, this and that with the big styled hair and all that and i love it like i if i could go to a brunch and see a drag queen in big styled hair doing brunch and, and like saying happy birthday to the bachelorettes <laughs> or whatever i love that shit like drag bingo go for it yeah it's not my drag it's some, someone else's drag but i do appreciate it and i do like it and i would say like also i would attribute part of like just my like following or whatever to being adjacent to these like Rue girls. Like, because I am friends with a lot of them, people like see my content because I'm with them or like if they share it or whatever, which is great. And I think the people that do end up, like that people, the people that follow me and support me, like understand that drag race isn't my goal and what I'm focusing on. Because I'm like, yes, this is great. And I love the girls for doing that, but that like I have so many other things under wraps that I'm working on and like the content that I'm putting out is not for the ultimate goal of being on Rue's show. Love her. She's gorgeous. Love what she's done for the culture. Um, But like, I've really seen how it's kind of like shaken some girls up and like really takes you out of your love for drag. Like some people obviously blow up and like they ride that Rue Girl train and that is great for them. They're doing their little like drive-in drag gigs and they're doing the Boss Events tours, this and that. But then I see some girls who are like, I need to go to therapy because that that was trauma. And I'm like, babe, I have a dog, 
I have a little nine to five. I got shit going on with drag. I don't need more trauma in my life. Oh, like, right. I don't, you know, like I don't need it. You stay busy enough. Um, right. But I do really, I appreciate like, not just drag race, but I do appreciate drag getting a place in the mainstream. And I would also say like, I do like, I love what Dragula is doing because of also like, it's giving another, another like, spectrum of drag like yes drag race is giving you something dragula is giving you something completely different but i i think it would be behoove of people um to think outside of just what is produced on tv and that's where i find like a lot of the the people that i follow as inspiration like i wouldn't say that i look at like who the next 13 Rue girls are going to be or who the next 10 Dragula girls are going to be for like my inspiration. I'm looking at the artist. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to support this person or like, oh, I love their art. I'm going to support this person. I'm going to find out more about them. I like their story. Let me find out more opposed to like what someone is going to be like on TV because I've also realized like from knowing a lot of these girls before they go on TV, I'm riding for them because that's my friend. I'm like, she might have looked like shit on this week's runway, <laughs> but that is my friend and I'm gonna fight for her. And like, when I see people talking about them online, I'm like, I'm getting defensive, not because I think she did a good job, but because I see strangers like talking negatively about people that I really care about. And I'm like, that is scary. I don't need strangers like digging into me and my drag, telling me that I'm terrible and I should die and all this. I'm like. I have enough trauma. Let's please like not add more. Like this, it's it's too much because I realized just from being friends with these girls, like the fandom is crazy and they're like they're vicious and they like just attack the girls for a TV show. Yeah. Like it's literally a TV show. And then it also, I also feel like it just pulls away from the enjoyment and the fun of doing drag. Like drag is supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun doing drag, like what stop. are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, literally mm. stop doing like figure it out. Like maybe reinvent yourself. Like like figure out what made you start drag in the first place and like try to get back to that. And I've noticed like sometimes it like just from being on the show and you get like dragged down, um, that that like it takes the fun out of what you 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 came on the show so so excited and like looking so hopeful, like this is gonna change my life. And it did, but then I'm looking at the girls afterwards. I'm like, you're not happy, yeah. and I want I want to be happy. I'm I'm trying to be happy over here. Like yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I do watch the show. I I try to digest all all the different types of like television, like um, Drag Race, Wana Kiki, Dragula. Um, you know, just like got to keep up on on what's on social media. Got to have the talking points for the gays because I can only really digest anything that's Drag Race related. Um, but I do, <laughs> you know, like if I'm not tweeting about something on Friday night, if I'm not watching this, this show, the girls are, that's all they talk about. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Twitter, I think it, like it's crazy. Can you talk about what happened with the like Twitter crackdown? Cause like you just had to lose your uh, account, right? Like what the fuck was that about? Okay. So this is the second time this has happened to me. Oh, I'm no. hopeful I will get my account back. Um, okay. But what happened is, I don't know what DMCA stands for, but it's pretty much like if you use a song um, in performance or like whatever, if you use it in a meme, if you use it in a video, um, they'll do like a sweep of the internet for this song and anywhere that it is, it will be like taken down. So the first time it happened, it was after Pride when I performed a Beyonce mix. Oh, 
and I posted it on, oh. I posted a clip of it and my account was taken down. Then it, I got my account back, it's fine. And then they, I forget what exact song it was, but it was a video that I posted in 2017 that took my account down. So it's, and I wasn't, I'm not the only one this has happened to. This has been like a lot of drag performers, like a drag lot performers, of burlesque that. performers, queer artists, yeah, Tito Bonito, is a burlesque artist um, over, I believe he's an SF, like Low Tyon from Chicago, Creme Fatale. Like, we're, like, I'm saying these are people that have like content out on the internet. Like Low Tyon's content is viral. Like every time she would do a performance, she would go viral. And literally I forget, I don't even know what song it was, but she was like, I'm just gonna create a new, new account. I'm not gonna submit appeals and all that because it's just a lot to try to get your account back. And I think it's crazy because you look at an app like TikTok, which utilizes the sounds. Like you can use a verified sound and use it on your video and call it a day and you're good. But for Twitter, it's still even counted under fair use because there's like some legalities. And one of the rules of fair use is if you're using the art or if you're using the song to make money and you aren't making more money than the artist, like I personally am not making more money than Beyonce, Giselle, and those Carter. Right. So <laughs> why is my song being, why is my performance being taken down? Um, but the, the issue here isn't whether or not it's legal or not. It's the fact that it's a service that just like goes through and sweeps. And then when you appeal it, it takes someone from actual Twitter to go through the appeal and yeah. like decide if it was valid or not. And they're not doing that. So I'm like, I'm sitting over here. That's, that's, how I got most of my content out, whether that be like my merch or things I'm selling or my videos. And then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, everything you've worked for is gone. Wow. And now you have to start over. And Twitter's hard to <laughs> build up that following like back in some ways. It like- I know. People love to like interact, <laughs> but then like will hesitate for years to hit the follow button. <laughs> like I know. This is or why I don't like, get on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter well, is the bad land. too much. <laughs> I <like>, know. <laughs> Not the bad <laughs> I'm like, I will stick to TikTok and Instagram for right now. <laughs> no, Twitter is, is a dark place. It's a scary place. But I do think it was, it was like really kind of overwhelming to see the amount of people. Because I was one of the first girls to get deleted. And I was like, I'm back. Because I had a backup account from when I was deleted the first time. So I, like, I was like, I'm back on this account. Back, and like back tons of people were sharing it. So it made me feel good. Like people that I did not expect to share it. Like some of the girls from Drag Race UK were sharing it. I was like, thank you. Like, thank you for understanding that I'm going through it. Yeah. For, we're all going through it, but like they just literally deplatformed me for a video from 2017. Yeah. Like, like, I'm what? definitely not making money off that. Like that's right. definitely not happening. Yeah. It was crazy. Silly. But here we are. <laughs> Um, I'm curious, you know, uh, not to dive into it, but you were talking about trauma and I, I think that there's trauma. a lot trauma, <laughs> yeah. uh, trauma, drama, Twitter. Um, I think that there's something interesting around the ways in which trauma lives in our body and we have to like move through that. And I'm wondering if bodybuilding helped unlock some certain things for you or like what sports was that a way to move through that? Did it bring more trauma? Like, I'm, I'm interested to hear about that. So I definitely use like bodybuilding and lifting to kind of combat a lot of what people think about masculinity, muscularity, femininity, all of that. Because like just in my day to day, I'm a sissy. I have my nails painted. I'm usually in a like crop top at the gym, tiny little booty shorts, whatever. 
but like lifting hella weight and just like, and I, I, I love strength training and I love like working out. But as far as like Ben's taking it a step further into bodybuilding, which is inherently just super intimidating in general, but it's like hyper masculine, but also hyper feminine. Like these are the most like broy masculine butch dudes who probably have never spoken to a gay and or queer person in their lives that they've known of. Yet they're standing up on stage in a thong, which is Posing. less fabric than any drag piece that I've ever worn, <laughs> plucked, pruned, and groomed. And I'm like, y'all up here are gayer than I am. Yeah. But after stepping into like, cause I've been just raised like thinking like, oh, these are the most toxic, toxic masculinity. These men are just gonna be hate me. And I think like by forcing myself to go to my first competition, it kind of like shattered that whole idea because I met so, not only did I meet like so many really amazing, beautiful, muscular women, which like helped really click something in me, but also meeting so many like men in the men's division, because I compete in the men's division because they don't understand gender or non-binary, but that's okay. Um, so many guys that were like really friendly and cool and not weird in the slightest about my, my identity, you know? So something that I've realized, like every show I go to, I end up making a new friend. And I usually end up with like a new girlfriend and a new guy friend. And they're always like, oh, I never had a gay friend before. Or like, I, I didn't know you were gay until you opened your mouth. And I'm like, correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Right. laughs> you said it. Right, exactly. Um, but like forcing myself into these experiences kind of helps me also like, shake some shit up in my own head because sometimes because I am in a very queer centric bubble, like when I don't really see straight people and I don't really talk to straight people aside from like my coworkers and my parents. But then like I step into this bodybuilding world where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so jarred that I am the, like not only am I like the black minority, but I'm like the queer gay minority, whatever. Um, jarring but I always end up having a great experience which I think is good for like just my own <laughs> like sanity because I'm like okay straight people all aren't evil some of these people probably are evil but not all of them uh and it's it's always nice to come out of there being like okay and plus if I win or like I'm eating up these straight boys I'm like y'all just got beat by a sissy period um <laughs> so that's always fun too but I I think like I would like to see more queer people doing like like strength training, bodybuilding, competing in any regard. And I wouldn't say there's a huge community for that, uh, but we all kind of like know each other, like just via via online. Like the, the queer bodybuilding community is not very big, um, but we all like kind of see what, we're, we, what each other is doing and like we'll double tap and support in whichever way you can. So I think that's really, really nice. And it helps, at, le it, at least helps me like, stray away from like the trauma that I've kind of forced on myself like being afraid to talk to the straight boys in high school or like being afraid of the football team and doing this and doing that and I'm like now all the football team are like mechanics still living in my hometown on their fifth kid at 26 and I'm a bodybuilder <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> um, so it's, it's always kind of like looking back on it I'm like I think this was more so for myself just to like shake some things up mentally that I was so afraid of, mm -hmm. which I'm not anymore. Do you ever feel like your race and blackness have helped sort of prepare you for interacting in spaces where 
I don't know, there aren't like many of you. Cause I have felt like in my experience yeah. being black, I'm like, okay, for like maybe a third of my life, I was only surrounded by white people. Like I was the only black person in my class or in my school. So now when I'm in spaces where I'm like, oh, I'm the only like gay guy, that's fine. <laughs> like, right, no, when I'm like, I don't feel weird at all because at, at this point, like even if I am, hetero people i still like know that i'm gonna like i'm gonna do something that they're gonna be like oh they're fine like yeah. oh they're not threatening um which isn't necessarily a good thing but it's just like i've i've kind of like formulated this group or like this safety net around me to where i'm not gonna put myself in a dangerous situation or a situation where i'm going to be inherently uncomfortable um but also just being black in general being raised like like you said like being the only black person in your class or being the only black person here and there uh, looking around, I'm like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. But I was talking about this with my friends the other day. Like, when you're at a party and you see another black person over there, you're like, okay, like I, I see you. If anything goes down, like, right, right, it's, right. it's like, it's like a known thing. It's like we might we not don't even know like walk up to each other and talk, but like if something goes down, I see you over there. I got you. Right. If you got me, <laughs> right. It's like an unspoken <laughs> thing that it's like, okay, we're both here. We see each other. I got you. We don't know each other. We might meet. Yeah, we might cross yeah, yeah, paths. Yeah. We might talk, but just know it's like it's like a unspoken thing, and I think that there's something very powerful in that too. But it does kind of like I don't really think of myself like being a minority in these spaces anymore, being as jarring as it used to be. Because definitely when I was younger and starting to understand like my blackness, I was like, why am I the only black person here? Why was I selected to do this? Why was like why is it just me? Um, and then now as like 20 years later, I'm like, you know what? It is just me and I'm going to make it known why I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing. I love it. I love calling that shit out. It's, I, it's my favorite thing in the world to make white people or straight people uncomfortable. It's like a thing, like make white people uncomfortable. I'm like, I will call out race every second I get. Like if I'm the only person Correct, in the black room, true. I will be like, hey, you guys, you realize I'm the only black person here? And everybody's like, oh my God. And I'm like, what? It's the truth. Or like, hey, I'm gay. <laughs> and they're like, what? What? Oh. Well, no, here's what I've been noticing. Like once again, that, tapping back into that college Thing. Like I'm still friends with some of my college crew, and one of these girls I know she I wouldn't say she's my friend she's an acquaintance at this point <laughs> but had a bachelorette party. All these bitches were it was like ten bitches all in jeans with the same middle part brown hair, <laughs> nary uh, POC, no type of diversity in sight. And I sent this picture to my friends. I said, this looks like get out Jewish version. And they were like, they don't even have diversity in the denomination of religion they got in that damn circle. Like they, having a Christian girl would have broken it up a little bit, but like, <laughs> like I don't know. I, I, if anything, like if you're following me on my like non-drag page, which a lot of these people do, and I've said it before, I'm like, if you look in your friend group and you don't have any type of diversity, there's a problem. Like, you don't have one black friend, you don't have one Asian friend, and I'm not saying everyone needs to inventory and be like, oh, here's my black friend, here's yeah. my Asian friend. We're not advocating like, for tokenism around here. <laughs> no, 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 but, but when you're looking in, in your natural friend group and it's all white people, don't you feel a little, I mean, I'm sure they don't feel a little weird. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure they don't feel weird. That's completely But normal. imagine a POC stepping into there and being like, what's going on? Because now I don't have anyone to have a shared experience with 
and maybe I am the token or why why am I the token? Why am I the one that y'all invited and why didn't y'all invite the other people who you know? Like what makes you the acceptable black person yeah. but not these other people? That's when I run, when I'm like, oh, I'm the only black person in this, or the only gay person or queer person in this group. Like, why am I acceptable? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Like, let me get out of here fast. <laughs> there's so a reason. That's why I text the girls. I'm like, are you going? <laughs> are you going? I'm not going if you're not going. Yeah, right. Or let's go together. And yeah. then it's like, you know, even if they do look around and are like, oh, this is a little weird, instead of being able to confront that weirdness in any sort of authentic way to like make human connection, they're like crippled with fear yeah. of like, enacting tokenism or something like it's just like the the inability to sort of get over themselves in some way to like make human connection is like so foreign to some mm -hmm. folks and i'm hearing a lot too in the ways that you're able to enter into spaces maybe differently than you were in high school and th that fear that's related there because of the ways that you've had community in other places you can now go back and be you're like, oh, I actually have the skills and know what it means to be held, that I can hold that within myself if I'm the only one here now in my wisdom and years that like I couldn't back then. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, Shawnee and I have some experiences with this. You know, we're from the South, we moved, Shawnee's moved uh, in his adult life, I think a little bit more than me, but Shawnee's about to move uh, to LA. I'm moving to Ooh. Austin. And I know you've moved from Maryland to Miami to <laughs> Chicago and like reinvented yourself and rebuilt community. I'm wondering what advice or um, what offerings you have in that rebuilding and that in that process. So I would say each step has been, I, I forget, I did a podcast like two weeks ago, but I, like realize that each step that I've made, like from Maryland to Miami, from Miami to Chicago has been like getting closer and closer to like finding this community that I've been wanting. Like I didn't have in Maryland, a community of black queer people. And then I had three black queer friends at University of Maryland. And then once I moved to Miami, I met that bigger queer community. And then upon there, I realized that like, yes, I still, want to be surrounded by that queer community, but I would like to be surrounded by black queers. So then that's why I like partially moved to Chicago. So in regards to like moving to a place, find the people that are like, at least, I mean, do your research, but find the places to go and the people that you like see yourself wanting to be around and find out where they're going, because that's something that I just ended up doing on my own. Like in Miami, I had no queer friends. I met this one drag queen at a club um, from the smoking section. We like got dropped off on an Uber and we got dropped off at the smoking section of this club. And she was like, if I can spank you with this yardstick, I'll let you in the smoking section. You don't have to wait in line. We were like, period. <laughs> so then she was like, come to my party. It's a once, once a month queer party, come. And I went with my one friend who I knew from Maryland. And from then that was like the jumping point into this bigger queer experience. Like it is a little scary when you move to a new city and you don't know a lot of people to go out, but like it is 100% beneficial to put yourself out there because you might, as long as you can make one friend, that is, that's something like you don't know up. like where that, right. You don't know where that journey could take you. And I would say like without meeting that one specific drag queen, like I probably would not have started the type of drag that I was doing to develop into this. Like that one, one-off experience of being, accidentally dropped off at the smoking section of the basement in Miami is the club is called the basement being dropped off at the club. It's just like, you don't really know what to expect. So I think if you go into a new city or a new like community, 
I wouldn't try to have any expectations because like, you just need to be open about like, yes, I have, I, I have an idea of what I want to get out of this. But like, if you are like, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, if you create that structure, it doesn't allow for the freedom for bigger things to happen. So like, especially with LA and Austin, like those are super big cities that are like, I don't know. I, I just think like, if you're moving somewhere, just having the most open mind possible and like getting into the spaces that you see the stuff that you're interested in. Like I knew moving to Chicago, I'm like, here are the bars that I'm trying to go to because that's the type of drag that they're doing over there. And that like, I wanna, I need to see that. And just from being there in those spaces, like I was literally going out by myself and just meeting people. And it developed into like a friend group or a community. And I would say if you're listening and you're trying to move to a city or even just in your own city, you're trying to like branch out, like don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And being alone is scary, but you're definitely gonna be a stronger person if you go out alone. Plus people, not like prey on you, but like they, I think they wanna make sure you're safe if you're alone. Cause yeah. like they'll notice you're alone and they're like, hey, are you new here? And like you're you're less um, intimidating. Like when you see somebody with a big group of people, but you want to talk to them, you're like, well, I can't talk to them. They're with other friends. But if you're alone or with one other friend, it's much more easy to like make these connections with other people and be approachable. Yeah, I agree a thousand advice. percent. Yeah. I feel like if I hadn't been open to meeting this little weird drag queen when I did, we wouldn't have this podcast. Oh my god, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Um, okay, well uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Um, do you want to take a quick break and take some meds? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> We're back. It's time to take meds. Time to get happy. Time to spread some joy. Um, Maddie, you want to go first? What meds you pop in? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, are you going to talk about yesterday? Uh, not if you talk about yesterday. No. Okay. So you'll talk about. Uh, I had a great day yesterday, by <laughs> okay. the way. Um, but um, we're, we're taking the same meds. Maybe it's fine. No, no, no. We're I'm going to take something different. I got something different. Okay. I had a great day with you yesterday. I love you. Um, but. Uh, I got tattooed last week and I it was just like the first time in you know like a year and a half two years or something like that and I just I forgot how much I love it <laughs> like the pain. honestly tattoos when they're done I'm like cool that was nice I honestly just love the process of like laying there and just like zoning out and like it feels like you're getting through something it's like how much can I challenge my brain to get through shit and it felt very much for me like this uh visual representation in three and a half hours of what I've had to do this entire quarantine of just like like sitting down grinning burying it mm -hmm. and then just like how are you doing I'm fine you know like very that right but um, very much that what'd you get my, what'd you get um I got a cop car on fire yeah with the um period <laughs> the license plate says a cab and then um I got this like Megan the Stallion sort of yeah it's it's a pinup it's not so much like a portrait but it's like um, of her, that, you know, that Grammy shoot that she did where she, where she had the horses and she's in like the icicles. Um, yeah. anyway, I got that, but like as a pinup outline, like a truck flap. Anyway, it's cute. <laughs> it is cute. It is cute. Yeah. I can vouch for it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good for you. Those are my meds. What's up with you, Ms. More Toto? meds, yeah. I would say, well, I mean, it's the first gorgeous weekend in Chicago ever this year because I feel like <laughs> we've had this winter, we had like three snowpocalypses grow up. <laughs> and yesterday, um, I have a dog, and my dog's name is Tate. Um, and Lucy Stool has a dog named Nelson. 
So I went down south to Lucy's, um, and Lucy has a gigantic backyard, and our children met for the first time, oh. and we like sat outside and drank beer and smoked some weed and let our kids play. Oh. Um, and it felt like the first like nice. It felt it just felt so good to have like the sun on my skin. Um, and then also like I was driving there, I'm thinking like if I ever become a parent, like you have to take your kid to play dates. Yeah. And I was like, I'm really driving my damn dog 40 <laughs> minutes to go on a play date. I must really love this dog. Yeah. So, and I do. And I, <laughs> I really love my dog. So, um, that, like, I was just like so happy yesterday that it felt nice to just have the sun on my skin and like have the kids meet and spend some quality time with some Lucy's stool. <laughs> it was just a great day. And I'm, I'm like trying to carry that energy now from like, just having that great day trying to carry that through like the next week and like trying to just keep that vibe and keep my energy up and i feel like it's happening now that winter depression's over the sun is shining yeah. and we're just gonna keep it moving yeah <laughs> vitamin d of all sorts correct um what type of dog do you have what is um what is tate? I, tate is a pit bull mix Oh my um, god. Oh my god. <laughs> so cute. I adopted I adopted the angel after Hurricane Irma in Miami. Okay. Um these people came back from uh the hurricane and they came back to their house and on their screen and porch they found a like puppy covered in ticks and dehydrated. Um Poor so baby. sick and gross. But then <laughs> I was on Pet Finder because I was at home in Maryland during the hurricane because I was like uh, at ground zero, like my shit was about to get knocked over. Yeah. And then I found this, I saw my dog as a puppy on Pet Finder and I was like, I need this, this is my dog, like period. Yeah. Um, and then I did a phone interview and I did two in-person meetings and then I've been with Tate, we've been with each other for a little over three years. Oh, beautiful. I love that. What you got, Shani? Yes. My meds, um, you'll all see pretty soon, but we had a really, really, really fun, cute, dope photo shoot yesterday. Thank you to Bria, our photographer, yes, and Carlos, friend of the podcast, our creative director, and Gary, who's in town, also friend of the podcast, who is our production assistant slash stylist. He's in the other room making a bunch of noise right now. Um, <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> probably keeping my dog occupied. Um, Aww. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of looks. Um... I don't know. It was our first real big thing that we did for the podcast. I, I mean, we've done a lot of big things for the podcast. It was like our big first big like real photo shoot for the podcast. Yeah. So you'll all see that soon. But I don't know. Made me really happy. I woke up yesterday very much so like I bit off way more than I can chew this week. Like mm -hmm. I have a friend visiting from town. I have a photo shoot. Like work was driving me crazy until like Thursday night at like 2 a.m. And I was like, I don't know if I'm able to pull it together for this photo shoot. Um, but, you know, a little bit of alcohol and friends made it. A lot you pulled more. everything off, though. Yeah, you did. Thank you. Um, and I, I love uh, one of the reasons I loved yesterday too is because, uh, especially being in Portland, I love being in a space where I'm the only white person. <laughs> like, like that's like so rare. In I didn't this, even think about that. like in this place that I'm like, oh, I'm having a great time specifically for that reason. <laughs> 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 it was great. Uh, I'm excited for everybody to see it, and you know whether that's on social or elsewhere. Um, yay. Okay, let's move on to the homework, because um, y'all actually have homework this week. Pull out your journals. This is what we're going to do. Um, I want you to just write, like, a paragraph about who you were 10 years ago, whether you were, like, 12 or whether you were, like, 22. Um, write about who you were 10 years ago. And then I want you to, like, take a beat, right? Like, whether that's, like, take 
30 minutes away from your journal or like a full day away from your journal. And I want you to come back and write about who you are now, Mm -hmm. um, presently today. And then after you write that, I want you to just like sit, meditate, reflect a bit on the changes that happened in your life. And the biggest question I want you to answer after that is, are you moving closer to the person that you want to be or further away? Ooh, that is some work, mama. It is some work. <laughs> we go in there. I love um, it. And then after you've done that, I mean, it's up to you. Like, you'll probably have an answer that'll guide you towards what you need to be it. doing in life. I'm not going to tell you what to do with that answer. But um, yeah, just think about it some. Because I mean, I think some of us get so caught up in life and just like getting things done. Um, and then coming out of this interview with you, Miss Toto, um, I just think that we can all be reflecting a little bit more on the people we want to be and how we want to show up in the world and whether or not we're making the decisions to get there or not. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm like, I was going to say something and then I'm just like, oh, I really love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell our folks where they can find you? Everywhere. Um, you can find me mostly being loud on Twitter at the Miss Toto with two E's, T H E E Miss Toto. Um, but on Instagram, you can hit me up. That's the with one E Miss Toto. Um, but really, like, I love talking to people. Um, anyone who like is a fan or supporter of me knows that if they DM me, I will respond. So if you like have a question or like want to ask me any literally anything, I will probably do it and I will definitely respond to you. Um, <laughs> Because I love to talk to people and especially like if our experiences are similar or you want advice or anything, because uh, I've been through some shit, just mm-hmm. hit me up and we'll, we'll talk. So thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Like I am ready to like go carpe my DM yes. and, you know, thrive in the sun. I feel the same way. I really appreciated um, this conversation. I feel rejuvenated. And I think I also feel really inspired by the reflection of the movement that has been apparent in all three of our lives Mm -hmm. and also like the communities that we've created and I think sitting with that reflection is going to be a really fun thing for me this week um Mm. remember that we are coming up on our one year anniversary so send us questions we're going to do a Q&A you can DM us um on Instagram or Twitter at QBT pod and feel free to shoot us an email at QBT podcast at gmail.com thank you to Gary, Bria, Carlos, Kiana, all the babes, Momager, Ali Kiltz for helping us with editing. Oh, she also um, just had a podcast come out. She did, um, yes. Season two of Citizen with Baratunde. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, the episode was so good. It's very beautiful. Um, alrighty, let's kick ass. Let's go to let's go do today. Let's he is risen. Let's go he is risen. Get in yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to get up. <laughs> Yes. I'm hungry. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Mm -hmm. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit.